Welcome, everybody. Hello. It is now April 10th. This is the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. I'm Eileen Grimes, astrologer, your host. And with me today is Mr. Michelangelo Na. He's going to be here to talk about Mr. Robert Schumann, who is a fantastic, uh, well, I don't know, you know, I don't know his music that well, but I listened to some of it this week that we're going to be playing today on the show. So, you know, just see what you think. It's kind of interesting, and he has a very interesting background. So we're going to be talking about him for the whole hour, and we'll be doing the astral celebrity on him, too. So, you know, I've had a week, a week and a half, maybe two weeks in one week. Uh, My car was stolen on Thursday. I went out to go do my laundry, and there was no car at at the curb. So now I'm driving a 2021, um, was it a RAV4, RAV7? A RAV4, yep. RAV4. Yeah, and that's that's really like what a cut above I was driving. I can't even believe it. It does everything by, you know, literally automatically. It's awesome. That's my rental car, but I have to now get a new car. And so this is not what I planned for, but I'm I'll be okay. But it's still kind of weird. Everything is just slightly off center. So anyway, and also today, I just want to announce today's April 10th. This is the first day of the next several days of the Titanic sinking in, in 1912. It's the 109th anniversary. And uh, today, April 10th, was the first day of the voyage. So they're out on the water right now. And they're coming to America, and they're going to hit the iceberg on the 14th. Okay. So, um, and because, you know, I wrote a book on the Titanic called the Titanic Astrology, the Grand Design of the Famous Shipwreck. I'm kind of, you know, I like pick up stuff right around this time. It's kind of interesting to kind of look at. So anyway, so I just want to make mention too, if you happen to see my car out there, <laughs> I doubt you'll be able to even notice it. It's a 1999 Nissan Altima with a whole back end bashed in. And the license plate is 048XSF or as was known as excessive. <laughs> so anyway, so in case you happen to see it, you can contact me at 206-816-0546, but I really prefer that you don't. I want to get a new car. Okay, so anyway. Have you reported it as stolen? Because they, oh, yeah. they should probably call 911 too if they see it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Yes, it's all reported. I reported it to the police and the, the insurance company. So we're all cool. Okay, so uh, we're going to take a break right now. When we get right back, we're going to be doing, and you're going to hear some music by Schumann, which is going to be neat. We're going to be hearing from um, me, I'm talking, and also Michelangelo about Schumann because he's our celebrity of the week. This is the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. Alternative Talk 1150. We're on your radio at 1150 AM. We're on your HD radio at 98.9 Channel 3. So many ways to listen. We're on the web at 1150kknw.com. Streaming live audio and video as well as MP3 archives of many of our shows. So many ways to listen. And now, we're on your smartphone or tablet. Download our free app in the Apple App Store or Google Play and take Alternative Talk 1150 anywhere you go. So many ways to listen. Multicultural, multidimensional even. Alternative Talk 1150. That's, I, this is the suggestion from Michelangelo who said, get something from Fritz Wunderlich. And he's amazing. He really is. Good choice. Hello, Michelangelo. How are you, my dear? I'm fine. I'm doing okay. Yeah. I'm hanging in. So anyway... Oh. You How know. wonderful to hear Fritz, Fritz Wunderlich. Oh, he was yeah, you the... were sitting, I was watching him, and he had his eyes closed when he was listening yeah. to it. It's just a beautiful, beautiful voice. And yeah, he so, was one of the greatest German tenors of the 20th century, oh, without a so doubt. Oh, ex- just... so expressive. Just the moment he, the first note, from the first note on, I was just yeah. hooked. Yeah, it was yeah, absolutely yeah. marvelous. Thank you for suggesting that. Now I know oh, I can course. go back and look. For other things that he's done too, so oh, yeah. that that was Dieter Dichterliebe. It's number seven, and that's the number seven, I guess, um, movement in it. It's Ich Rolle yeah. Nicht, and that's Fritz Wunderlich who sang that. So let's okay, we're going to talk about him first. Okay, Robert Schumann has his birthday on June eighth, eighteen ten, 
at 9.30 p.m. in Zwickau, Germany. So what would you start with? I mean, I have so much to talk about in this chart, I can't even believe it. But I'm going to let you start. Well, I mean, let's just give a sort of a little general introduction. Uh, arguably, I think Schumann was the epitome of the, <clears throat> the fatally doomed romantic composer. You know, here's a, a young man who clearly demonstrates a remarkable genius for composition from an early age. You know, he started at the age of seven and mm -hmm. equally accomplished in both literary and musical circles. You know, he in, at the age of 24, he brought out his own musical journal and began championing composers, including our most recent subject, Mozart, yes. uh, whom most people have forgotten. I uh, haven't. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but in 1834, you know, uh, Felix Mendelssohn had just begun to bring the uh, music of Mozart back to people's attention. So okay. Schumann was very much, you know, on the cutting edge and, um, and then he, in a sense, he doesn't create this genre of the art song, but he moves it along in a decisive manner from the earlier proponents like Franz Schubert. And right. Creates a whole confessional uh, means of communication in which the piano and the voice are equal participants. So oh, you can tell in that, just that little snippet of that song. You can tell. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now, the interesting thing, of course, is that he was first and foremost a pianist. And yes. he actually... Uh, uh, irretrievably injured a couple of fingers on his right hand, which yeah. meant that he couldn't couldn't pursue that career. And yet, and early on, of course, he also had a certain disdain for art song. You know, he mm -hmm. said, "Oh, no, no, no serious composer would ever, you know, waste their time with these sort of right. things." And then he takes it on himself and establishes this extraordinary uh, brilliance in this genre. So yes. that's what I would say. Just sort of. Yeah, sort of he just seemed to. Yeah, he was started off as a pianist, basically. Yeah. And then he yeah. just found his niche in, in, in writing music, you know. And yeah, um, yeah. there's one thing I want to mention before we go on, and I want to use this as a little bit of a backdrop, because you know how I am about stationary planets. Absolutely. Well, he had a stationary Mercury in his chart. Yeah. Stationary retrograde at the time yeah. he was born. Yeah. And he did have a bit of a problem with his brain. So yeah. um, this could be a part of the factor, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And also stationary Pluto. Uh, oh, that too. Oh, God. Oh, that makes so, so much sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, after yeah. reading, see, man, he's really going into the dark there, but he's really trying to stay out, you know, kind of jump around between two worlds, sort of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. Um, his Mercury is, let me see, he's got a south node in the third house. All right, and he has a, a moon in Virgo, which is also a Mercury ruled. And yeah. um, it is like his whole chart is Mercury to me. Just about all of it is. You know? Yeah, well, it's certainly strongly angular, although, of course, with this birth time, it ends up, you know, in the sixth house rather than the seventh. Right, um, right. Yeah. But the it, fact uh, is, you know, I didn't look at his actual chart in the, in the ephemeris, but I don't know how close he actually was to a stationary retrograde, but it's still... Pretty close, I think. Pretty close. Uh, it's pretty significant. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and apropos of the whole idea of the blending of word and tone, which is really the, what is it, the the program, if you will, of the art song composer. He has, you know, Mercury and Venus in you know, fairly close conjunction, and both in Cancer, of course, and yeah. a sign of emotional communication. I, I've got a little quote here, which might be interesting for people to hear. Uh, he, oh, yeah. He said, he said he was perhaps the ultimate romantic confessional composer, as he told his wife, Clara... Yeah. Everything he experienced in life went directly into his music. So yeah. I think we see that very much with this Mercury-Venus conjunction. Yeah. yeah. Actually, his whole life seems to be channeled in that direction. Yeah. yeah. And um, do you think, it's just a thought just occurred to me, that emotions yeah. can be so illogical so, so much of the time. They don't make sense. But then... You try to make sense of it with your, your left side of your brain and try to analyze the right side of the brain. Do you think that's probably what sent him off the deep end on some levels? Just trying to reconcile well, the emotional... it seemed as if there was a certain family uh, instability, that there were other members of the family that okay. may have not been so tightly wrapped. But the other thing I always look to, particularly here with this, this very close sun mars conjunction in mm. gemini is just the 
the tendency of Gemini, I mean, obviously we don't want to devolve into astrological cliche here, but I think there's yeah, a certain right. truth to it. The dual signs tend to be those that often have a great deal of time um, expressing one standpoint or another. And, you right. know, we can... Yeah, we could sort straddling of look the fence, at as it were, between two points. Yeah, yeah, and from a medical astrological perspective, he's got a lot of mutable planets. And uh, yeah. it's my understanding from various sources and the work I've done down through the years that often when there's a preponderance of mutable planets, there's a tendency toward uh, illnesses of mental distraction. So, you know, we could put all kinds yeah. of... Yeah, I just noticed that six mutable planets and... Yeah. Um, I mean, it sort of says that because mutable is so flexible, you know, it can take yeah. any direction it wants to go. It's not stuck with any one thing. So yeah, he literally yeah. could, his brain would go wherever it wanted to go in spite of what he wanted it to do. Yeah. 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 And let's, let's look at that Sun-Mars conjunction again, because yeah. it's square that stationary Pluto. So yeah. if we look at stationary Pluto as representing at least potentially obsession of the highest degree, yeah. you know, I mean, there's a lot of other things we could say oh, about sure. it, but that would be that could certainly translate into mental aberration, I think. Yeah, I think it would too. <clears throat> I was like, how many places do you find it in this chart? A lot of places where he yeah, was just yeah. a little bit kind of not quite on the beam actually yeah, so, yeah yep yeah. so okay we're going to take a really quick break and we're going to come back some more and talk about mr schumann with mr michelangelo so this is the jupiter rising show right here on kknw alternative talk radio <laughs> This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to the Ananda Institute of Living Yoga, we cover the world of animals. This week, April 11th, it's Best Neuroenergetic Balancing, Rasmussen Reset, and Energy Code Sunday with Nels Rasmussen and his sister Linda Rasmussen joining me. Together, they can help you or your animal friends with physical, emotional, or behavioral issues. We'll have open phone lines to plan to call in for your remote treatment. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Need help getting started with self-help? You came to the right place. Alternative Talk, 1150. Whoa, that was emotional. <laughs> oh, man, I was getting caught right up in it. Whoa. Oh, yeah, that's this piano concerto in A minor. I mean, it really is a beautiful work and often really regarded as the epitome, once again, of the oh, yeah, I mean, it's, piano concerto. You just harnessed right into the gut immediately. I just noticed my feelings starting to take over. I says, yeah. cut this off before I lose it. So anyway, yeah. just beautiful. All at the same time, all these thoughts and feelings going on. You know, I could actually trace his, his thoughts and feelings with it. Just yeah. amazing. Yeah. Just amazing. So you can see then here's the here's the ultimate expression of the would to would to have been, you know, concert pianist who you know, unfortunately injured himself so he couldn't become one. And yet right. he's able to create this this masterwork of the genre, you know, yeah. um, out of his compositional gifts. Yeah. This it wasn't this was one of his more popular, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean it's one of the it's one of the terrible ironies mm -hmm. in that Schumann in many ways seems to have been uh left behind somewhat by musical history. If we talk about him at all in music school, we talk about his art songs. We talk about his song songs. Okay. We, Maybe we hear the concerto. I mean, I, I I seem to recall having studied it a bit, you know, in music school. Very little of the symphonies or some of the other works that he wrote, all of which are really quite accomplished. So there's a, there's a, you know, uh, he's, again, there's such a tragic overlay, you know, a tragic pattern to the life, you know. You can the, hear that almost as an overtone to it. Yeah. Like know, what's to, to come know. type of thing. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah Someone to... that, go ahead. I have you have to pardon me. I have Neptune right on my sun right now. Everything is boosted when it comes to okay. listening to music. <laughs> I mean, it's oh, like that's... minutes away. I mean, it just kept crossed over it last week, and I'm listening to music completely differently than I used to, because I uh -huh. never would have picked up any of that emotion in that at all, and I just yeah. felt like breaking down. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. So I'm well, okay. Well, this is the essence of romantic music: is this capacity to. Uh to communicate emotional states. Oh, you know, it's very it different is. from the Apollonian world of Mozart, uh, or, you know, even more so. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're really talking about a Neptunian expression. And, of course, you can't overlook the fact, Eileen, that Neptune was discovered right around the time that Schumann 
was uh, uh, writing these songs, you know, 1840. Oh, you're right, right 1846. And that right. was his year of song. He wrote 138 art songs in 1840. Oh, alone. he was so, building I mean, up to that, wasn't he? He could feel that yeah, coming yeah. down the road. Wow. Yeah. Well, he was, you know, courting his the daughter of his piano teacher, Herr Wieck, Clara Wieck. Uh -huh. And uh, they did get married in, in September of 1840. And all that year, he's writing art songs, which I think are an expression of his romantic yearning and his desire for the two of them to be together. Right. You know, so, uh, yeah. And really it's quite something, you know, it seems like um, I think I played one one particular song, I think Tramarai, which is uh, one that I played a long time ago when I saw that as one of his pieces. I said, oh, I remember that. And then I, all of a sudden the melody just came into my head. And, oh, yeah, that was amazingly yeah. gorgeous, you know. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I think that's the one song I ever did by, by yeah. Schumann, whether it was singing or playing piano. So, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, yeah wow. And so, um, yeah, I noticed that it's just, it's, you're right, it's full of emotional longing, what he seems like he hasn't experienced. You know, yeah. and and also because he's born a Gemini with Mars and Gemini and all that stuff, he's pretty much having to go on the logical route within within the brain. But except that his his emotions are so deep, so tapped in, you know, with that moon in the eighth house. Oh, my gosh. Except it's yeah. in Virgo, which can analyze the hmm out of it. But, yeah. you know, he still would get called to that area a lot. Yeah, well, you know, he wrestled for a long time with with wanting to become not wanting, but feeling compelled yeah. to become a lawyer. Yes, and, he uh, did. I remember reading that. He yeah. finally threw that over and said, "No, I'm going to devote myself to to music." And, uh, and then said, "Try to become concert oh. pianist," but uh, sabotaged himself. And right, if he had been a lawyer with Uranus in the ninth, <laughs> that would have been an interesting lawyer. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You well, and you know, there's another sign, you know, of, of you know potential mental disarrangement is that elevated uranus you oh, know, yes uh, exactly uh, yeah it tells us a lot of other things about it it tells them tell us it's about really about his authentic genius and his yeah. innovative tendencies but still you know it, it uh, elevated uranus we often see people who are not it certainly would say balanced. that he broke a lot of rules when he came in with oh him. yeah yeah when he yeah, yeah. yeah yeah even as a child they said that he had a particular genius for capturing emotion and music and he really didn't hew to any of the established practices for right. composition, you know. So, right. Um, yeah, he just had a natural channel for that. That's very yeah. interesting. It's just very interesting. He's got, he's fairly complex, obviously, you know. Oh, yeah. And I looked oh, at no when question. I looked at his chart for the first time, I saw it kind of scattered, kind of like somebody took the planets and threw it on the chart, and they landed wherever they landed, you yeah. know. And I said, well, okay, I'm thinking that. And that was really sort of before I knew he had been kind of nuts at the end of his life. But oh, that's yeah. that's really not being nice to him saying that. But he really had <laughs> slipped off the beam quite a bit. So, oh, yeah. No, would that, would that he were the only one. There were many, many uh, such people. Of course, yeah. the, the tragedy, of course, is that much of it had to do with the ravages of tertiary syphilis, according to yeah. the medical records that we have. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's... Yeah. that's um, yeah. Now... Okay, so he Clara Schumann was yeah. almost well more known, well known more than him in his time. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, he she was a champion of, of all his works, and she was a concert pianist. The thing that he had failed to do, and um, you know, she was uh, they were they were quite an extraordinary couple. But right. she certainly, I think, did achieve a a greater prominence in that arena than yes. he did. Yeah, because I yeah. remember hearing when I was in school when I was at music school, or whatever school it was, um, a lot about Clara Schumann, that's not Robert Schumann. So um, yeah, I thought yeah. that was kind of an interesting thing. So Yeah. Yeah. That's... Well, see, later in life, because he damaged his hand, he really, he really couldn't do much else. He couldn't play the piano. He yeah. couldn't conduct, which a lot right, of right. You know, uh, musicians did. His uh, hand ruled by Mercury. There's the yeah. Mercury thing again. It just yeah, keeps absolutely. coming back to Mercury. It really yeah. does. And Absolutely. also they figured that in the end that he was had some sort of syphilitic thing or it was mercury poisoning. Yeah. Very interesting. Because they treated syphilis, of course, with mercury. Right. So yeah. there again, you know, is another business, you know. And with mercury in the sixth house, according to this chart, 
definitely yeah, deal absolutely. with health issues. So, yeah. Yeah, I give, given the the you know the real health issues, uh, I, I think there's a lot of validity to this uh, official time to have you know those three planets in in the sixth. You know, it speaks to someone who really wasn't well. Yes. You know? Yes, I yeah. agree. Yeah, because. Yeah. You know, it would have to be um, somebody who has that many going on in the sixes really has to put health front and center in their lives. They can't just, you know, sweep it to the side. They have a lot of yeah. issues they have to work through. So yeah. that just makes total sense to me. So anyway, yeah. so let's talk about more about him and um, how he he did. He only wrote one opera, I noticed. Yeah, Genoveva. Yeah, and I have to be honest and say that I've not, never heard a note of it. I so, haven't yeah. heard of that either. So <laughs> I until I saw it on the, when I was reading it up yesterday on on Wikipedia, you know. Yeah. Well, well, this is the thing often with art song composers is there is a particular skill set. And speaking as someone who's written 180 art songs himself, yes, there's a particular skill set involved in entering into the world of a poem, capturing it in its essence in an indelible way. Mm -hmm in a very short period of time right and, and making you know a complete argument and then going on to the next one that doesn't always translate well into to large-scale forms right because there's you know there are other there are greater technical challenges right and, yeah because you're yeah. basically taking a song or a form or a poem and setting it to one piece of music and you've got a beginning middle and end in the in the yeah. in the piece and it has to be said yeah. quickly yeah. you know and so in an opera you get two or three hours to sing it all out you know exactly right so and you know so, so much of course of successful opera composition has to do with the quality of the libretto if you don't get a good libretto then no matter yeah how that's a problem you are, you're, yeah you're yeah. not necessarily going to get a great product yeah right. Hugo Wolf had the same problem he wrote an opera Der Corregidor and I think people basically criticized it and said well it's just a bunch of songs strung together right but you know both in the same way as Schumann you know it was yeah. a genius at that capturing this compressed miniaturized world of the art song right Exactly. Yeah. So interesting. Okay. So anyway, well, we're going to take a break here in just a minute, but um, yeah, let's see here. What am I got? What else do I want to talk about in the chart? Looks like, uh, did he grow up in a big family? No, no. He, I think he was the only, only child. Oh, okay. He was Jupiter I'd in have the to, fourth. I'm kind of going. I'd have to, I'd have to double check. Um, okay. All right. But I don't recall reading that. Okay, so he did have a Pluto-Mars square. So yeah. there's some business about a sexuality going on. Not who he prefers, but how much he wants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he and Clara had eight kids. Well, okay. All right. So they made use of it. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, he also has Out of Bonds Venus. Uh, oh. I mean, so... Okay. I think there was a very powerful sex drive, and unfortunately, that's really what ultimately led to his his doom was the, was the fact that's that right. he must must have at some one point had unprotected sex with someone who had syphilis. Yeah, um, I think yeah, I remember seeing that he had yeah. syphilis. So, oops, he yeah. plumbed the plumbed the waters of somebody else that wasn't supposed to do. Yeah, but yeah. you know, an out of bounds. Interesting. I just started learning about out of bounds recently. That's basically a planet that is sort of like out of bounds of our orbit here, you know, with all yeah. the planets around. And so it's kind of completely detached from anything yeah. that's going on here. Is that what, yeah, how can, do you express it? Well, I mean, the idea is here's, you know, if we, if we're talking about the declinations, uh, you know, right. all of the planets are trooping around the sun, right. You know, more or less in a herd. And then yeah. from, from time to time, virtually all of them, get extreme in declination. So they, they literally separate themselves from the herd and they're completely uh, independent of other influence, at least okay. as far as that goes. So there's a purity to the expression of the planet okay. and there's an unfettered aspect to how it comports itself. Now you this know, is so what this is Venus often, or, or Mercury? Yeah, this is Venus. No, this oh, okay. is Venus. I'm writing yeah. it on so, so okay. this often translates then into a particular kind of idiosyncratic genius. Okay. Couple that then with the trying to Uranus, and we can sort of again see the, uh, you know, yeah, how that might have played out in his. That would have made it kind of worse, wouldn't it? Like put it in out of bounds, and it moves further out, even yeah, further no, with Uranus. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. pretty crazy. So. Yeah. I mean, it does seem to have um, some of the qualities of a stationary planet. I don't know if the same, but it's. 
it's it's distinctive. This planet is like all by itself doing whatever it wants to do. You know, yeah. it's standing as it reminds me of a story I tell of, you know, an unaspected planet it has the same type of thing. It's like having, yeah. you know, all the main planets on the main floor having a party and then the unaspected planets in the basement. It's completely yeah. not associating with everybody else. Planet so. working on world domination. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> all right. In whatever in whatever way it chooses to, to do that, whether That's it be right. through music or, you know. So there's several ways that a planet can be completely rogue. That's yeah. That's what we're yeah. talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if when you have multiple aspects of it, then it really gets quite something. Oh. You know, we, we have yeah. an aspect of planet that's That's why I'm interested in seeing this, because it's usually themes that keep coming up in their lives. So mm -hmm. it, it just keeps gravitating back to center point, you know. Yeah. And so it's very interesting. Okay. We're going to take another really quick break here. When we get back, we're going to be still talking to Mr. Michelangelo Ona about Mr. Robert Schumann. This is the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. And this is a live read for Barrel Full of Monkeys Productions with Matt Shea. Matt Shea has started a new venture, the Barrel Full of Monkeys Productions, which will be a collection of Matt's writings in a mini audiobook form. Our first book is now out, and it's only $5, and you can order it on Matt Shea Books. And guess what, people? The second book is coming out at the end of this week. Yay! Let's cheer. Okay. You want to do a cheer for us? Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Anyway. <laughs> I always love him. I, I just love him, Nathan. He just does everything so well. Anyway, so you can check on Matt's site frequently to see when you can get it. It should be the end of this week. So we pretty much got it all done. So we're very happy about that. Okay, and you can also lis or listen, not listen to, but you can get one of his books, The Meadowdale Community Project, which is really a winner. Okay, so Matt would love to hear from you and promises to answer any or all to contact him. And you can write to him at the personal email address at workinmat7, W-O-R-K-N-M-A-T-T-7, at AOL.com. And don't forget his website, www.mattshaybooks.net. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Jeffrey Mark for the first time, who is considered a walking encyclopedia of show business history. Perfect for Oscar season. On Saturday, Manson Mitchell spend two hours with Eileen Grimes, one hour on our show and one hour on hers. It's what's your sign all over again. Bringing you mastery and mystery one hour at a time since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Exploring new territory every day. This is Alternative Talk 1150. Wow, that's spring, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spring comes in like a lion, right? Yes, it does. <laughs> All sorts of moods, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I was listening. He's changed mood every two seconds there. That was pretty wild. Yeah, he came in very gently and then wham. Okay, so that must have been the um, thunderstorm that hit. Okay, yeah. so that was Jupiter uh, Symphony Number no. 1. It's Opus Number no. 23, <laughs> and it's called Spring. So I imagine there are other, um, this, this particular... Symphony comes up with three other ones, the other seasons. Is that true? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I well, think he would was, not do that, of course. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, again, one of his, his more notable symphonies is the the Rhenish, the Rhine Symphony. That's number okay. three, if I remember correctly. And the, the fatal fascination of the Rhine for him, I, uh, I think, is also an underwriting theme in his life. He actually tried to drown himself into it before he finally checked himself into the, the mental asylum in uh, 1844, I think it was. He tried to drown himself? Yeah, yeah. And I honestly think, although history is, is undecided about this, that some of it may have had to do with heartbreak, because in 1843, young Johannes Brahms showed up um, yes. at their home in, I think they were living in Dusseldorf at the time, and... Um, they both championed his music, um, but Brahms became an integral part of the uh, the interrelationship between uh, Clara and Robert. And he was at a particularly low ebb at that point because he'd taken on a teaching job in uh, 1850, I think it was, and um, 
had a, basically been a failure at it and been fired and wow. was, you know, kind of floundering financially. And then here comes this young, you know, lion of tremendous talent, Johannes mm -hmm. Brahms, who ends up being Clara's close confidant down through the years. Now, nobody's really sure whether she and Brahms had an affair, but there's a lot of evidence to suggest that they might have. And if you think about someone who at that point is going through his Uranus opposition. Yeah. In 1850. That'd do it. Yeah. And yep. for him, it would be very meaningful. Yep. And, yeah. uh, you know, at the same time, he's got Chiron in the first and Saturn has just gone into his fifth. Right. So there's his creative house and his house of self under, you know. And house age, of romance, too. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. Yeah. And uh, while Chiron is in the first, it's opposing that all-powerful Venus in the seventh, which, of course, yeah. in many ways represents his marriage to okay. Clara, which, uh, so I, again, this is just my own feeling about it, but I, I yeah. have a feeling that in addition to sort of the incipient madness from the syphilis, there just may have been a great deal of heartbreak, and uh, yeah. he tried to kill himself as Okay, I have a question here, and you may not know the answer, but was he yeah. impotent? I don't think so. Okay. Kids. I mean, maybe, maybe okay. by that time. Because it could be. I mean, if you're looking for, and you found a lot of proof there that could it lead to the possibility that she had an affair with him, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. But I'd like to see the two charts together, see what was going yeah. on with that. But, yeah, uh, absolutely. but he, since he, as he got older, he got further out, you know, into yeah. La La Land. You know, and, yeah. and less grounded. He, I mean, she may have needed, and I don't remember what sign is she again. I can't remember. Oh, I'd have to look it up. Uh, uh, she also got Mercury retrograde, just like him. Uh, very interesting. Uh, okay. Yeah. There. All right. Yeah. I was trying to remember. I think I looked up her birthday. I may have looked up her yeah. chart. I just didn't do it. But um, yeah. I, it not that this is trying to change anything here from what what he ended up doing or whatever else you want to talk about. Yeah. But. Um, um, it could have made a difference in how he stayed grounded because, you know, with six immutable uh, planets, uh, not much chance of getting grounded here. Yeah. 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 He no, has right. Taurus on this fifth, fourth house, which there is a chance he could, but all the rest of the mutable stuff is out there floating somewhere, you know, yeah. and so is he. <laughs> so. Yeah. Satisfy your curiosity. She's a Virgo. 19 degrees Virgo, so I, her son's okay, her son squares his precisely okay or, with that moon in the eighth Mars, house rather. in Virgo. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so yeah. there may have been a transference of maternal stuff with them with her with him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. She has a she has a wildly out of bounds moon. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, 28 30 or something. I'm looking okay, at here. that makes sense. Yeah, so that that could certainly translate itself into a mother type. Projections, right? You know, exactly, um, and yeah. it's an eighth house. Eighth house is just a house full of full of pitfalls and also landmines. You know that yeah. you just don't know what you're going to get into until you get into it. But that's, yeah. that's to add more fuel to the fire. She's a Cancer Moon, so she's the she's the <laughs> epitome. She's the epitome of the of the lunar archetype. Yeah, one. and epitome of what he needs in his chart. What he, he attracted yeah. to him. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, geez. You yeah. know, he couldn't, you know, probably knew it as soon as he saw her. I bet he did. Yeah. 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 And Brahms more, more or less fell in love with her at first sight, I think. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, there was but, a, uh, um, a painting done of her. It was an idealized painting of her. That's what they called yeah. it on, yeah. on, uh, and she was pretty, but I think that was idealized again somebody seeing yeah. her through their own eyes so yeah yeah that's i thought that was kind of interesting yeah but she was certainly a force to be reckoned with she was a composer in her own right yeah you know right. or her, her her compositions have gotten short shrift down through the years but she was a composer in her own right. Oh, okay and, um yeah they were a very they were like the power couple i guess you could say you know yeah. um but it wasn't a you know it wasn't a relationship that was completely without its Foibles, unfortunately. Yeah, and when did he start losing his faculties, approximately? Uh, I think it was, well, you know, the famous story about him hearing the note A all the time. You know, yeah, uh, I read that. I think that happened not long before he tried to commit suicide, maybe in 1843. Wow. 
And of course, we know now that often tinnitus is caused by inflammation of the brain, and that yes. would have been, uh, you know, a symptom of the tertiary syphilis. Um, right. Exactly. As he was getting more and more yeah. ill. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, if you look at that on as a metaphysical level, you know, the A, it obviously was trying to get through to him for some reason. But, yeah. uh, but his, you know, because when I heard about that, he had uh, basically just slipped off the beam on the rest of his life, basically. And yeah. um, I was reading the story of it, and it was a progressive, progressive thing didn't happen bam all at once it happened one thing no, no. after another he had depressive episodes i mean arguably again with that 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 gemini you know uh square that you know stationary pluto you know yes. I think manic and also you've got the uh the opposition between sun mars and uh, saturn uh, neptune so okay. there's a and then we have there's also... a prescription for manic depression I think yes 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 i was looking at that and thinking oh well, i see manic depression here too but I definitely yeah. see the depression with the sun opposed Pluto or moon opposed yeah. Pluto. Yeah, that's yeah. really deep depression. So, yeah. yeah, that's that's tough, you know. And um, yeah, it's and it of course all makes a makes a square to Sun Mars. So, I mean, it's yeah. it's mixing itself up with the sexual sexuality too. You know, yeah. it's kind of interesting to me. So, um, and you also had Sun Neptune. Okay, there's his music ability. I mean, literally, this is what, what Mozart's chart shows. Fifth house sun opposed Neptune in the 11th house, and that's what he's got here. Yeah. Yeah. And also Saturn next to it, too, which I remember reading, I think um, I think it was, uh, what's her name, the astrologer from England. I can't remember. Liz Green wrote Liz about Green, yeah. in Neptune book, in order to really do music well, you have to have Neptune and Saturn somehow aspecting oh. each other. That's well, you think about it, because Neptune is way up here, and Saturn yeah. is down to Earth, so you have to be able to bring the spirit into matter, you know, Absolutely. and yes. write it on the page. You know, that's yep. important. In Coet has to be brought into a recognizable form, otherwise that's right. it just remains that's exactly so much right. Exactly daydreaming. right. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, um, it's a really, actually, it's a miraculous chart. It's just too bad he took so many weird directions with it. But anyway... Okay, let's see. What else did you want to talk about? What you you've been researching this for a while, right? Yeah. Well, I uh, there's there's a lot of things one could could discuss. I mean, we could look, for example, at Chiron in the first. You know, there's yes. this idea that you know whatever the the implicit endowments of the horoscope, and they are many, as we okay. sort of yeah you know illuminated here. There still is a fundamental wounding to the self. You know yeah. that that's that, pretty deep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it and again, it, you know, it trines the trines the sun, but I don't necessarily see that as, um, you know, no. helpful. <laughs> no, it's you know? not an asset, in other words. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I really do see Chiron as a very powerful malefic, whatever the aspect structure is. You know. Yeah. And. Um, yeah. It it certainly can be depending on how it's how it's. You know, it's a wounded healer. Okay, so where are the wounds? You know, and yeah, the wounds yeah. are in the first house. That's about expression of self. So, yeah. I mean, that and, and Capricorn rising is just kind of, well. Well, it's, du it's duty, right? It's, it's Yes, it is. Being... It's responsibility, you know, yeah, and yeah. it also makes a person look really older than they really look, you know. Yeah. And I've noticed yeah. his pictures are kind of that way and very serious, yeah. very serious. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very serious deportment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And of course, the other thing about the Mercury retrograde, as, as I, I know you know, is that often these individuals, their voices are not heard right. in their families of origin. You know, and, right. and this was this was certainly the case, at least to some extent, with Schumann, because his father, who was very much you know a literary man, he was a publisher, right. but who was a champion of his his son's fledgling music abilities. Right. Right. Once he died. His mother and her, his then guardian basically told him, "No, forget about the music. You know, you're going to be a lawyer." So his yeah. his all his most you know passionate yearnings were basically suppressed, you yes. know, and, and finally, of course, he threw it over. But I mean, of course, this, but this, this is, is always the case, I think, with these Mercury retrograde right. children is that and, and having they a have Capricorn to get that voice out. I'm sorry, he has a Capricorn yeah, rising. That means the father is is holding up the gate, so you got to go this way. Yeah, type of yeah. thing. You got to follow in my shoes. 
So, yeah. I mean, yeah. that that's tough. The responsibility he would figure that he would have to have to his father before he would be released, Uranus on the Midheaven, you know, yeah. to really do the career he really wants to do. But he, yeah. had to, he had to take that, he had to take it by himself. He had to realize he was going to push himself out alone, you know, by risking the relationship with his parents. He'd have to know that. Yeah, well, yeah. that's always the case with the artistic life. Well, I, mean, I know. I mean, Eve, I mean, I, you know, we often envy those who, you know, grow up in artistic families. That can be mm -hmm. as much of a burden as anything. But yes, true. But when you don't, it's really a tremendous yes. departure from the family myth to say, yeah. okay, I'm going to throw over this this practical, grounded, you know, uh, exactly. approach yeah. to life in, and yeah, pursue and my right. passion, whatever exactly it might be. Exactly, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, we got to take another break, and when we get back, we're going to be finishing up with Mr. Michelangelo. Nah, this is the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. <laughs> And this is a live read from the Medicare Exchange with Susan Bergstrom. Susan Bergstrom is a licensed agent in Washington and Oregon, helping people obtain security in their lives by providing insurance that pays for final expenses and money for transitioning after a loved one dies. Retirement consists of a lot of moving parts. She will help you with Medicare plans that best suit your needs. Medicare is not only state-specific, but county-specific. Having a lot of opportunity, she will, she will narrow you down to choices that will be suitable for your health and financial needs. This includes advantage plans, supplements, and prescription drug plans. Okay, seniors can rely on Susan to help obtain financial security through many programs that protect seniors from market downturns and guarantee a competitive rate of return with no downside risks. Susan can help you educate you on long-term care. This is a long, this is an area many people do not plan for in retirement. Early planning can protect your assets and provide dignity in your later years. Susan enjoys working with people that it has partnered with a Medicare exchange located in Tacoma and Linwood, Washington. You can talk freely about your situation and you will know that Susan will work to make you comfortable in all decisions that need to be made. You can contact her at 253-318-9379 or by email at sbergstrom at americanseniorbenefits.com. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. Okay, I don't ever want to try to play that, but no. <laughs> that's complicated. That's yes, the, that is most the, assuredly. Uh, the, is that Chrysleriana, right? That's that it, the, the Piano Suite, yeah. Opus 16. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, that's got a lot of moods in it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the fascinating things about the Romantic period in music is this idea of what's known as program music, where you have composers seeking inspiration from from extra musical sources particularly literary ones oh, and, sure. and again that's obviously epitomized in the song cycle but also sure. in a, a piece of music like chrysleriana mm -hmm. where schumann looks to the wonderfully mythic stories of of eta hoffman you know for his inspiration oh, yes right uh-huh most people will know that jacques offenbach wrote an incredible opera called the tales of hoffman e. which hoffman. is that's tales similar of inspiration hoffman. Yeah, yes, yeah. I was in that opera one time. That was really yeah. neat. I love that. Yeah. So, so here's Schumann. Here's that Venus Mercury of his. You know, even though we're not dealing with word per se, but the blending of of literary inspiration with musical uh, expression, you know, yeah. is uh, at its apex in pieces like this. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I, you can kind of tell that was this yeah. done toward the end of his life. No, no, that's before, you know, that's before the uh, the pivotal year of 1840, I think. It's when he was still writing just piano music. You know, well, you know he just has so many different, you know, avenues he's taken. You know, he doesn't do yeah. just one kind of music. He's just no, all over no. the place. Yeah, no, and that seems was, to be uh, the hallmark of romantic music is, is geared and guided by the emotions. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the greatest, you know, proponents of it obviously wrote in multiple genres. You know, uh, he 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 is probably, I would say, best known at this point for his song cycles. But he, like most of his 
contemporaries wrote in as many genres as he saw fit. Right. It's, yeah. It's a measure of your mastery of your art as a composer to be able to write for more than one type of thing. Right. I mean, he yeah. didn't do the typical Wagner thing. He didn't do, you know, the big stuff that a lot of composers did. He basically kind of did down home music, you know, and I mean down home in the sense the stuff that you play in a parlor and for a group of people sitting there after after dinner. You know, it's very yeah. per, up close and personal. Yeah. yeah. Well, he did make his mark in longer forms. The symphonies are quite accomplished. Oh, that's true, too. But as yeah. I said, he is best known for these types of intimate communications. Right. You know, and, uh, and, of course, his relationship had to have been an inspiration for that, too. Oh, most assuredly. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, even though he's a Gemini, which means you could figure that he's got a, a mind that's just like a, you know, it's just yak, 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 we don't talk back. You know, but uh, he he's so on the emotional track, you know, and yeah, he's so yeah. um, wired in with that and the pathos and the, and the heartache and the sadness and the uplifting and all of the things that people go through when they've had emotional things happen with them. You know, yeah. it's well, go ahead. I think that's his stationary Pluto in, in Pisces. OK, yeah. you know, I didn't realize he had a stationary <laughs> Pluto. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I was yeah. looking it up in Astro Data Bank, and I found the uh, the stationary Neptune or Mercury. And Mercury, I was, yeah, yeah. I yeah. was quite um, I was quite happy to find that because it made so much sense, you oh, know. Yeah. But but, but Pluto, and it does. Oh, okay, so Mercury and Pluto trine each other. Now mm -hmm. a trine could be just re ease and flow, but those two yeah. planets together would have had a difficult time. You know, but I think they forced each other to work with each other really well, and it seemed to work okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Mercury is the psychopomp that allows us to enter into the underworld of the archetypes, you know, and then, yes. and then emerge unscathed, right? So, I mean. Yes, the underworld. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, 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 that's right. Okay. You know, and, yeah. uh, you know, it's just... Um, you know, it makes so much sense after we've talked about a person's chart, after I've talked to Michelangelo because he's so good at what he does. But um, it makes me, um, especially now with this Neptune transit, you know, I was having trying to figure out how I was going to deal with a stolen car with a Neptune transit. You know how hard that is to do? <laughs> yeah. I don't want to do yeah, this. I yeah. just want to go sit and listen to music while the car's... Oh, please. <laughs> you know, and I said, no, I have to shift that and move over to logical brain stuff. You know, yeah, and, and you got that schmancy new ride that you're too. Oh, it's around, nice, but it's only a loner. <laughs> I and, know. <laughs> I know. I, I was looking up prices of it. It's not cheap, but 28000 no, no. I was looking yeah, it up yeah. today, um, Nathan, yeah. you know, while I was in there. But that's not that bad. I would have figured it would have been more than that. But, um, yeah, yeah it's a, a real dream to drive, but can't get myself used to it. But I want to get used to it. <laughs> I do. I want somebody to come up and me, here, this is yours. It's all yours. You don't have to do a thing to get it. Okay. Yeah, that's going to happen. Anyways. But apropos of your remarks, I mean, I think it is really remarkable at times how we glean the essence of, of a person's life through a consideration of their horoscope. You know, I mean, I yeah. know that is really part and parcel of what we do, but right. every time I delve into one of these horoscopes, I, I come come away with, you know, an, an increasing sense of, of wonder at the yeah. Yeah. the power of, of destiny as it's, you know, uh, expressed through through the birth moment. Yes. You know, I mean, it exactly really is amazing. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely yeah. true. Um, I recently, I'm just getting off the track a little bit, but recently yeah. um, I joined a, a page for Sharon Tate. I'm sure you know who she is. Oh, yes, of course. And I've loved her since, you know, before she passed away. And I I didn't even realize, but I was I was charged by the universe to write up a profile of her astrologically. Do you oh, know how hard that was? I'm oh, not even sure. done with it. The yeah. first first section is 16 pages, you know. Yeah. And, <laughs> she was complex, you know, and we're all complex yeah. on some level. But it took me about a month to do it because yeah. I was trying to shave off little pieces to deal with. You know, I would yeah. think about her relationships and how she had abusive relationships in her life, tied that to the chart. And I was able to write a story about that, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. <clears throat> but um, the amazing thing is I just see her in a different light now. 
through the chart, yeah. you know, and oh, yeah. s- saw her. And the thing that was interesting is that there was no way in heck you could see her upcoming death coming up in that chart. You couldn't see it. Oh, that it's oh, not visible. Yeah, hmm. and I found it through I found it through her mother's chart. Believe it or not. Uh-huh. Yeah, and um, she had a Venus in Aquarius, which is what Sharon was, scoring Mars in Scorpio, and Mars in Scorpio was, of course, Manson. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So it showed up in her chart, and she yeah. was very worried about Sharon her whole life. She had a nervous breakdown at one point because Sharon moved away from them. They were in Italy, and she moved to the United States, and she was freaking out so much that Sharon had to move back. You know, it's interesting. Sounds that's, like she might have been a moon Pluto mom, but anyway. Let's um, <clears throat> I'm trying to think here. See, moon in Virgo and, no, I don't think it was moon Pluto. Oh, but it had okay. moon Pluto or sun Pluto opposition. Okay. okay. It was that. So it could <clears throat> be that the Pluto issue came through her. So yeah. you know, it doesn't necessarily mean her actual, except that her dad was a sun Pluto conjunction too, but mom wasn't. Yeah. So and yeah. it's it's kind of those little mysteries you're trying to figure out, but who goes to which planet, you know? And so um, it, it's been a really interesting time for me writing this. It, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about writing too, but le- yeah. writing that much about one person. And I've just done the identity of her. I haven't done the rest of the chart yet. Sure. <sighs> it's gonna well, be this is a thing. I mean, I know the astrologers in the audience will know, but you know, that, you know, we could profitably spend much more than 30 to 40 minutes talking about something like Schumann. I know. There's I so mean, much I, more that we could illuminate in the chart. Yes, and, exactly. Um, yeah. Right. And uh, sorry, I had to get off on that, but I, you know, it was just oh, the most no, recent fine. thing that I'm that's, doing. So yeah, anyway, absolutely. anyway, I have to say goodbye to you now. Oh, that's right, my dear. Okay. As ever, I've enjoyed our conversation immensely. And, oh, good. Uh, and we'll be doing got to this hear some good music. Yeah, and we'll in another six weeks we'll get together. We're going to figure out a composer to talk about. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you, Michelangelo. All right, my dear. Okay. Happy spring there in Seattle. Well, and thank uh, I'll you. Look forward to talking to you again. Okay. Bye bye. Okay. Yeah, I just got the sign saying two minutes. Oh, no. Okay, so let me talk about um, the upcoming events coming up at uh, the Pizza Casa in Lakewood. I am there on Monday nights doing readings, so you can come down and see me. It's in Lakewood, just down by um, uh, JBLM, not too far away. Well, it isn't, but it's 12924 Pacific Highway Southwest in Lakewood, Washington. And so um, I'm having that. And also... Let's see here. What else do I have new here? To uh-huh. Oh, next week. Oh, yeah. Okay, we got to do that. Next week is going to be such a cool show. I'm going to be on two times next week. The first one, I'm going to be on Manson Mitchell's show. And then Manson Mitchell are going to be on my show. It's going to be so cool. So anyway, I hope you guys all listen next week because we always have a great time together. So this is Eileen Grimes saying goodbye to you for this week and wish me luck on my car. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio.